Rockabilly on. Ring Macca. Australia's waiting for you. That's a ticket. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to steam around Australia in a, in a steamer, you know, and call in at every port where they load and unload and talk to the people and... Every port in Australia. Busy. Busy. My God. 8333 is our number. 02 is the code. 1300 Want a hand, mate? Yes. Ring Macca. Someone will give it a go. Maxi Bygraves OBE. 18th the 5th 04. Handwritten. He says, Dear Macca, I listen to and enjoy your offering most Sundays. I'm writing and near completing my latest book, Around the World in 80 Years. Much of the book is of Australia, and I mentioned some of your interviews I've been lucky enough to hear. My day-to-day scribbles include the like enclosed. This note is to tell you how very much I enjoy your program. I even get laughs with telling audiences here of making my first record and praying it would be successful. Every morning I would turn east and face Macca. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to use that. That's a great line. <laughs> More success, he says. More success. Sincerely, Max Bogros. Isn't that lovely? That's isn't lo- it terrific? Isn't it's that just lovely? saying that's, one that's worth keeping, isn't uh, it? G'day, this is Macca. G'day. Hello. G'day. How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Who's that? That's Byron. How Byron are you, Byron? From uh, Hospital. Yeah, good. Where, what are you doing? What are you up to? Oh, I just knocked off night shift at um, Fosterville Gold Mine, and I'm driving home. So thought I'd give you a ring. Good on you. What's Fosterville uh, Mine? That's to be a gold mine, would it? If yeah, it's um, biggest gold producer in Australia at the moment. I think wow. um, well, that was um, Newcrest Mining Cadier East. But yeah, uh, it's doing well at the moment. And what do you do, Byron? I'm a diesel fitter. Oh, I see. Damn fitter. Yeah. So you're busy. Yeah, we're pretty busy, pretty steady work. The price, um, the price of gold's pretty impressive too, isn't it? It's about twenty six hundred dollars a a a an ounce. Yeah, and the the mine makes it for as cheap uh, cheap in the world, I think, for what they pull it out. I think they can. Uh, it costs them five hundred an ounce to pull it out the ground, so and turn it into gold. So it's amazing, isn't it? That golden triangle in Victoria has pulled out more gold, than, and it's still going. Obviously, still going strong. Yeah, no, it's um, it's hard to believe what Possible is doing, but it's great to work for him. And yeah, how long you been there, Byron? I uh, started on March nineteenth, two thousand eighteen. I was about to start on. March 15th, and my daughter was born that day, so... Oh, right. Yeah, so four days later. And uh, how's there been much difference since uh, the COVID thing started? Oh, we've all um, been social distance from each other, and all the contractors, or you know, 90% of the contractors were put off site, so... Um, yeah, just the employees hung around for the mine. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you've yeah. always lived around Bendigo, have you, uh, Byron? No, I've lived in, um, grew up in Melbourne. Mum was from Cuna and Dad was from Melbourne. So we went to Echuca when I was 21 and I've, I've moved around Australia a bit and lived in England and Ireland for a 20-month period and mm. come back and got into mining. So, yeah, I've got been lived in Mount Isa, uh, Orange and Bendigo. You're a mining, you're a mining bloke, Byron. 
Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Good. And and a diesel fitters are always in demand, aren't they? Yeah, we are these days. I used to be just a mechanic, but um, you just switch over to diesel fitting and you get heaps more money. So. Yeah, and I, I've, somebody was saying to me the other day that it's hard because of <coughs> just the way things are, that um, yeah, it's not as easy to get hold of diesel fitters and mechanics as it used to be one, one time. So, yeah, you always get a job. Yeah, well, once you get your foot in the door, you're pretty green for a couple of years and you get to know the, your, your way around stuff and you slot in somewhere. So, yeah, that's oh, good. And what's seven it like? Seven off. You're, you're driving home uh, now. Uh, what's it like out uh, outside this morning uh, around Bendigo Way, mate? Uh, it's some um, pink clouds around, blue skies. We've got pink sky in the morning. Shepherd's warning or whatever. Might rain later. <laughs> and a bit cool. What's the temperature, do you reckon? Uh, it should be about five degrees. Five degrees. Byron, All great right. to talk to you, mate. I'll see you sometime in Bendigo. Bye, Maka. Good uh, talking to you. And thanks for your call, mate. Good on you. Not a problem. Catch you, mate. Bye. Maka, it's Bomber from Groot Island. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Bomber. What are you doing? We're on the boat. We're just about to take off from uh, Ali Angula, which is in the northwestern corner of Groot Island, and circumnavigate the island with a mate and their family for five days on oh. our six-metre boats. Oh, how good is that? Bomber, where are you from, Bomber? Oh, you can hear him on the radio there. Um, he, we're from um, originally from Melbourne, but um, we've been living on Groot Island now for 15 years. Uh, what, and you work there? You work uh, on, yeah, on Groot? Yeah, we work on, on Groot Island. I'm pretty lucky to work here and um, fish around the place, and we're going on a, a trip of a lifetime. Oh, bummer. It's a wonder you haven't done it already if you've been living there for 15 years. But you, you... Uh, To be honest, mate, I have done it a few times, but yeah. uh, I haven't been able to do it with the family and a couple of other people because it is a pretty big trip uh, logistically to sort of go all the way around. So, so is this in a... In in a sailing boat, or you got an engine, or what? Oh no, no, motorboat, motorboat, and uh, we've got about five hundred liters of fuel on board. We've got freshwater spots we can get down south, and we'll be eating some fish and all that sort of jazz while we're down there. And um, oh dear, we've got permits to go to land, and it's probably some of the more remote parts of Australia, I guess, down there you can't. There's no real road access to that part of Groot Island, so we've got our access to go to some beaches, see the turtles, nesting. Over the next few nights, and oh. check out some rock art. And... Oh, you're just trying to make us all jealous. I mean, we'll never get to do that. Most of us will never get to do that, Bomber. So, tell us, how did you end up on Groot Island? Oh, we were travelling around Australia. We're just still travelling. It's um, just <laughs> been landed here for a while, though. You know, it's not a bad spot to stop off and have a go. I reckon we'll be oh. lucky here. Good fishing and remote beaches and isolated. It's pretty cool. What do you do on on Groot? Uh, infrastructure supervisor for the town and uh, for the small mine that is uh, located here. Uh huh. Well, so, um, it's uh, it's a lovely thing to do, mate. Um, I'm, uh, I've never. I don't, we landed in Groot once. We we're on our way to somewhere, I think. But um, yeah, we. Uh, it's a and it's a big island, isn't it? It's a very big island. Yeah, it's the fourth largest island in Australia. Yeah. So, how'd you get the name Bomber, Bomber? Uh, well... Don't tell me you're an Essendon supporter or something. Nah, nah, go the Hawks, I say. <laughs> Although we need some prayers at the moment. But, um, nah, when I, actually, when I was a young fella, my, uh, I was riding the Greyhound racing and my favourite Greyhound was Bomber Gleeson. 
and my best mate's dad started calling me Bomber, and then it just stuck. And there you go, you know, it's just Bomber, and that's just the way it goes. So where, when on Groot, you live at Ali and Gula, and the, what's the other yeah, place on correct. there? Uh, Umbacumba, Umbacumba, Umbacumba. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's a big island, isn't it? I wonder what the the area of Groot Island is. Two and a half thousand square kilometres. Gee, it's big. Roughly. So, so you've been there fifteen years. Your family lives there with you. Yeah. Um, well, yep. this, this is this is as you say, it's a trip of a lifetime. How long will that take you? Five days. Uh, we're going to go for five days. You could technically, if you had really good weather, drive around in about six, seven, eight hours if it was really flat. But we're going to drive for about three hours, four hours, and then pull up and then slowly meander around the opposite corner of Groot Island, which is the most remote and isolated parts of the island. And that's why we've got the special permit so we can go to land and and uh, you know take our time and discover sort of all that untouched area down there. Oh, mate, it sounds like a, a lovely thing to do. And what's the weather? Have you had, is the wet season sort of arrived yet or no? Oh, it could be an early wet. There's been a lot of cloud build up and a few little sprinkles here and there. So definitely a different sort of start to the season, that's for sure, than the last few years, which we are desperately need a good wet season up here to help everything with the fishing side of it, especially in the whole Northern Territory. Get some recruitment happening for the barra and even the prawn industry as well. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? A drought on the land, a drought, uh, a drought in the sea. They say. Exactly. Uh, Bomber, I'll, uh, I don't know if I'll ever see you on Grid Island, but um, things may change, Bomber, and we could uh, catch up sometime. That'd be nice. You can take for a spin in your boat. Oh, mate, we'd love to have you on Group Mac any time. Well, let's co- let's let's make a date. Let's make a date. We'll come. Let's go next year, okay? Sometime next okay. year. Okay, we'll lock next year in, well, mate. You are definitely coming to Groot Island. We'll put you up for sure. Okay, sounds good, Bomber. You take care and have a lovely time, mate. All right, thanks, Macker. All the best. See, we'll you, see you, mate. next year. Yeah, okay. see you next year. <laughs> see you, mate. See you, mate. Bye. G'day, Macker. G'day, mate. Hello. Yeah, I'm not from Groot Island, but I'm from uh, Tasmania. What's, and, uh, what's, your, what's your name? My name's Dallas. Hi, Dallas. Doing a bit of a road trip today, carting cattle from uh, Smith and uh, going up to Bridport to grab a load. Yeah, just sort of give you a ring, first time caller. Oh, good on you, mate. Good on, good on you. Dallas, uh, how many cattle, what what sort of rig you got? Uh, I just got a flat top, just a 28, 30-foot tray, mm. uh, just carting for ourselves. You got, yeah. a, you got a place, what, near, uh, near Wynyard, did you say? Uh, Smithton. Smithton. Right on the far northwest tip, yeah. Yeah. It's got a small farm there, and we cut our own stuff, and uh, it's around about a 530k trip, I suppose. Lovely, lovely part of the world, and it's amazing, isn't it? You get a call from Groot Island, and then you get a call. You, two, you couldn't get two places in Australia nearly um, further apart, could you? No, you could not. <laughs> I'd love to go to Groot. Tassie's lovely, but I'd love to go to Groot, but uh, we'll get there one day. Yeah, well, um, yeah, different, yeah, yeah. Are you cool down there at the moment? Uh, it was a bit of a frost in patches this morning. It was down to two, probably about four at the moment, by the look of it, yeah. And Dallas, uh, how, you, sorry, go on. It's going to be a beautiful day. The sun's just coming up now. It's lovely. And how's, uh, you know, you're sort of locked down in, in, uh, in Tassie, aren't you? When I say locked down, you, the border's closed, so, um, and life goes on pretty much as normal, Dallas. Yeah, we are locked down. It's, uh, nothing's really changed for us, but we haven't got the tourists, of course. But 
we've just done a few trips around around the bottom end there of Tassie, but uh, everybody's sort of upbeat. But it's not the same without the tourists. We miss the caravans, and you know it's good to see the lot of the tourists come in every year. Yeah. Oh, maybe it'll look. Maybe uh, we we all live in hope, and I, I mean we'll have a different world, but. Hopefully, um, these uh, restrictions will, will be lifted soon. You know, when I say soon, by the end of the year, and and maybe we just look at uh, like you do sometimes with life. You put a put a cross through twenty twenty and say, "Well, that was twenty 2020. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, right. Uh, let's uh, look forward to twenty twenty one or something like that. I don't, I don't know, Dallas, but yeah, I can, I can imagine that. Um, uh, Tassie, lots of places in Australia, lots of places in in Australia depend on tourism because it's part of the whole oh, deal. Sure. Yeah, all those little places. I don't know, you've been to Stanley or Smithton or Wynyard? Yep, or I have. Yeah, they all rely on tourists. And, uh, yeah, I feel for the Victorians, but uh, I think they're probably turned the corner, but it hasn't been good, has it? No. What sort of cattle you got, Dallas? Uh, Murray Gray Angus. Murray Grays uh, and Angus. Yeah, mainly mainly Angus, but uh, we're picking up Murray Gray today. But uh, a fairly short, bit of a shortage. We just, just got to grab what you can get off exactly. at the moment. Yeah. D- Dallas, great to talk to you, mate, and uh, I'll see you sometime in uh, in Smithton. Yeah, good on you, maker. Good on I'll you, hear mate. You coming, I'll look you up. Okay, good on you. <laughs> good on you. See, see you, you, mate. Bye. Is it Marie? Marie's on the road. Morning, Marie. Hi, Maka. How are you? I'm good. What are you up to? Uh, we're heading to Sydney. We left um, from Evanshead early this morning. It was about 8 degrees when we got up. Uh-huh. And um, we're just past Nabiac now, so we're having a really good run down the highway. Not a lot of traffic? Nothing. <laughs> That's really nice. So what are you doing? What You, you left uh, Evanshead, did you say? It's a lovely spot. Yes, we did. We run a youth camp up in Evans Head, uh-huh. and uh, we've unfortunately been out of work because of COVID. Yep. And on Friday, we got great news from the Premier saying that school camps can go back in fourth term. Oh, first term what? Uh, third term, you mean? Third term. Fourth. No, fourth. Oh, fourth term. So that's what, in uh, October or something, is it? Yes. Uh, after the school holds. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. So you're you're heading to Sydney now. Yes, yes. We're heading actually uh, down to Funnel Point. Yep. Just you got you got two of us, Maka. Yeah, uh, for a couple of what? Are you going down for a holiday or what? Just for a couple of days or? Just, just for a couple of days to see the mother-in-law. Uh huh. There you go. So you'll be busy. Uh, you'll be busy after the holidays. You'll be getting back into it. And when you say youth camp, what what do you do at the youth camp? What happens there? Hi, Mac. It's, it's Craig here. Marty wants me to talk to you about this. Uh huh. We we operate a youth camp in Evanshead. Uh huh. And uh, we've been, as Marty said, originally we were decimated at the end of last year because of bushfires. Then we were we were knocked around because of flooding, and now we've been closed basically since March because of COVID. Yeah. And uh, we're glad glad it said we can we can open up <laughs> we can open up in term four, which is at the end of this this school holidays that's just started in New South Wales. Yeah. And um, 
here we, here we go again. And our, our phone rang off the hook on Thursday when we got that news. <coughs> Excuse me. And and so, what's a youth camp? What do you do at the what happens at the youth camp? Who are the youth? Okay, mainly mainly school students from New South Wales and Queensland. Mm-hmm. <coughs> we do outdoor education um, programs. We do things like rock climbing, canoeing, stand up paddle boarding, all of the all the outdoor things. The um, the, the camp's called Cornonia. Cornonia is a is a Greek word, Cornonia, and it just simply means fellowship. And our our fellowship and what we do has been completely closed because of COVID. So we've had to do something very different. We put a pizza oven in our in our commercial kitchen and we've kept seven people employed by cooking pizzas and selling them out of our loading dock. <laughs> That's great. That's the uh, like the old saying, isn't it? You, when you break eggs, you just make omelettes. That's all. Uh, you <laughs> Just change your yeah. That's uh, that's great stuff, Craig and Murray. So um, yeah, you'll be really busy. So these the kids that go there, what need a help, needing a helping hand, or it's just good for them just to change of their what they've been used to. Are they city kids or what? Most of us, a lot of the kids that come to Cornonia are um, Brisbane outer area kids. Mm. Um, so coming across the border, but we get a lot of regional kids, local schools, and that as well. I think you've spoken to our mayor a few times, Robert Musto. Uh-huh, yep. But, um, no, look, Evanshead's a great little place. Our camp's right on the beach. Oh, dear. The, the, camp, the camp itself is what, what is left of the Royal Australian Air Force Base at Evanshead. When the, when the RAF base closed at Evanshead in 1953, a, uh, a local church member, Dale Singh, who built the cabins over on the aerodrome in 53, he brought them back from the Department of Defence and relocated the cabins over on the beachfront to form a little youth camp called Camp Cornonia. There you go. And uh, we've been continually operating since 1953 and this year has been our worst year of all time. As I said, we'll, we'll get to uh, we'll get to New Year's Eve this year and we'll just get 2020, we'll just put a little line through it, say yes, not too bad, but yes, Things are going to look up, and then we'll head to 2021, uh, Craig. It'll be a ripper. Next time I'm coming through uh, around your place, I'll call into Canania, mate. We look forward to it. Yeah, be, be good, and, and good luck to you. Um, you deserve it. Um, there'll be lots of people in the same boat, and hopefully everybody can get back to um, you know some sort of normal soon and get back to work because it's nothing like work. You feel, you know, you need... I don't know. There's something about working, you know. People say, oh, I've got to go to work, but there's something about it fulfilling. I, th- I think um, I really enjoy working, and I think uh, by the sound of things, you do too. We both do. We yeah. both. Ba- we both. We we like work, and we love what we do. Have you got a minute for a quick, great little community story? Yeah, sure. Something similar to what we did happened in Evans Head, our local Chinese restaurant in the main street, Tom's Chinese Restaurant. Um, he had to close his restaurant, but he opened up a, a kitchen door, so the community got right behind him. And uh, reasonably new business in Evans Head, but um, and so just take away, closed all the restaurant seats off, and just take away. Anyway, the other night someone came to the came to the door and made a statement about Tom's food, a derogatory statement about his food. So with the power of Facebook and things like that, people are looking. And so this, this 
nasty person said, if you pay me $500, I won't, I won't defame you on Facebook. So <laughs> this, honest, this honest guy pulls $500 out of his pocket and counts it off and, and hands it over. So then someone in the community saw this, saw this behaviour, and hundreds of people, local people from Evans Head, got behind Tom, got behind the local police, grabbed this guy and got his money back. Isn't that fantastic? See, that's the, uh, you get all sorts of nasty people. I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing about um, online, isn't it? There's good, there's good stuff, but, geez, there's a lot of nasty stuff. But that's, yeah, community help. That's wonderful, a wonderful story, Craig. And, uh, and a, great, a great, you know, Evans Head is a fabulous little town. It's a tight-knit community. We have really great services. You can walk down the main street. You know everybody. It's so friendly. We've got a local fisherman's co-op the local bowling club, the RSL. We're part of the Richmond Valley Council local government area. You know, We're really proud to be Evans Head people. Craig and Marie, uh, I'll see you in Evans Head. I'm coming there. I think everyone, by the, after you finish, Craig, I think everyone <laughs> will all be, we'll all move there to live. <laughs> Thanks, Macca. Good on you. you Safe travels and good luck uh, in Term 4. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bye, Macca. See you, kids. Bye. On the line is a bloke called Billy Bridge. Good morning, Billy Bridge. G'day, Macca. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Billy Bridge, you're a muso, Billy, aren't you? Because you sent me a song the other other day, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been been recording for, well, 20-odd years now. It's so, been great. So where do you live, Billy? I'm in a place called Regency Downs, which is in the Lockyer Valley, so sort of halfway between Toowoomba and Ipswich in, All right, yep. in sunny Queensland. And what's it been like there? Is it uh, dry or wet or, you know, good season? Or? Uh, yeah, we haven't had any, any significant rain yet, but I, I, we keep um, hoping that it's coming. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perennial Australian outlook, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> hoping it's, like the bloke said, um, he said, when I, I said the same thing to him once on an OB, I said uh, about rain, he said, uh, well, he, he said, it's a bit like the uh, first kiss from the girlfriend. I said, oh, yeah. He said, I said, what do you mean? He says, well, we hope there's more to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good analogy. Yeah, it is. Now, Billy, tell me about your musical life. Well, it's been a little quiet this year for all of us musicians oh, with um, no festivals and, um, you know, no live performances. And, and, uh, apart from where I'm sitting right now in my back porch, I've been doing a few live streams on, on Facebook and YouTube and um you know, trying to share my music around that way. But, yeah, it's been very quiet. But in, in isolation, I, I sat down and worked out the equipment I do have and managed to record an entire song in my, my study at home, <laughs> except for one instrument. So it was great. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, and that's really good to do that online. But it's, it's just not the, it's not the same for, for you or for us or, or even for the audience. I mean, the audience appreciate it and, uh, and we appreciate it. But it's, just, it's not the same, is it, Bill? Yeah, it's definitely a different way to interact. Yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't get that that instant feedback, I guess. But I I probably do it more. I, I moved up from Victoria three years ago, which I'm I'm pretty glad because I saw the <laughs> snow down there last week. Um, well, and yeah. all of the the challenges that my friends have had down there in lockdown, and um, we've I, it's more to a lot of the gigs I did down there. They used to all come to, so now it gave them a chance to see me play again. 
Yeah, won't it be nice? I'm going to try and do some some. Uh, well, there won't be concerts, but some some live performances. I think you can get a certain amount of people uh, to come and have a look, but um, I don't know if it, is it half full or something like that. If you've got a place with that can hold a hundred people, you're allowed to have fifty or something like that. I don't know. Billy, yeah, I think but... I think it's just on the square meterage. So every you know they can have one every four square meters. So depending how big the venue is, but um, I, I hear there's a there's one coming up up here now, uh, a bit further up north. They're doing it at a drive-in theatre, um, having an outdoor concert. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everyone can be segregated that way. So, look, it is it is what it is. We have to adapt, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Billy, I'm going to play your song, and I hope I bump into you sometime. Um, do you ever go to Tamworth? Um, yeah, many, many Tamworths. This year would have been my 20th Tamworth Macca, and um, unfortunately, or in 2021 would have been, but yeah. that's unfortunately not going ahead. But um, I'll definitely be at the next one. Yeah, me too. With a bit of luck, we'll we'll catch up then. But we'll catch up before then, Billy. And uh, thanks for your call, mate. And uh, thanks for your music. Keep up the good work, mate. No worries, mate. Thank you. See ya. I'll tell you why I live where I live. Karen says, Hi, Macker. I'm writing from Werribee during Melbourne's lockdown. The isolation has certainly allowed me time to reflect on the massive changes and disruptions the virus has thrown in front of us. I've anxiously watched the border closures across our beautiful country, particularly since I was raised on a sheep and wheat farm in Victoria, 14 minutes from the South Australian-Victorian border, just outside of a little town called Lillamar. You've probably driven through it. Anyone who's driven from Melbourne to Adelaide who didn't blink on their way through past or went through the last highway town before the South Australian border. Today, it's a CFA shed, a crumbling post office building, public phone, a mechanic and a dozen or so houses, but in my use... It also had a town meeting hall, a local drama and the CWA groups plus operating post office and in Dad's days it had stores and churches and a school and more. Family traditions dictated that my brother and I played weekend sport for a local team named Leor, as did our dad, his dad and so on. Leor consisted of a community of families from the little border towns of Lillimar, Serviston and Wolseley in South Australia. Our home ground was a sporting oval just outside of Serviston, which was quite literally one minute's drive inside of Victoria, nestled on a hill between sheep and wheat paddocks. We filled the team for decades. Netball, hockey, football sides, junior and senior Colts, A and B reserve teams in the Tatiara Football League. Caniver and Leo were the only Victorian teams with border town Mandala, Keith and Tintanara over the border. Our travels across the border were frequent, often a few times a week to visit relatives, to go to the dentist, play sport, visit sheep sale yards and our weekly swimming lessons in a heated pool at Tom Kruger's swimming school at his property just off the Dukes Highway. Quite a novelty in such a small region but necessary for kids living on farms with dams. We never left for our South Australian appointments early as the journey time plus the change in time zone meant we didn't need to leave home until the appointments had already begun in Victorian time. <laughs> but getting home took twice as long. How is that possible? It sure was a confusing time for a kid. Over time, the dwindling Leor team numbers meant that the team amalgamated with Caniva, rebranded the colours and became KL United, the only Victorian team in what is now called the Kauri Narakort Tatiara Football League. The season was abandoned in June this year, partly due to the only Victorian team being unable to cross the border to play or watch the games. I've never heard of a border bubble before 2020, but it seems I grew up in one. It's been more than 25 years since I left. I've had residence in three different states and time zones since. I've even spent a few years in the UK, but I still call that bubble home. As it happens, my gran, Bess, was wrong. The air is just as sweet in South Australia, certainly more so than Victoria at the moment. All the best, says Karen.
A few thoughts you may consider for your Why I Live or I Live segment, says Kevin Elsie. Some people, when told I live in Lismore, respond by saying, that's where it floods. But that gives me the opportunity to say something positive about the place that I've called home for the last 58 years. Things like enjoying walks along the river, looking down on the valley below our place and watching racehorses training, admiring the distant blue mountains that make up the border ranges, having a cuppa on our back deck with lorikeets, top-notch pigeons, magpies, kookaburras, king parrots, currawongs and rosellas, checking on the pair of tawny frogmouths who have set up home across the road, watching fruit bats heading out for their nightly snack as the sun dips below the horizon, saying hello to a wallaby in from the nearby bush for picking on the neighbour's lawn, going for walks and greeting dog owners with their animals, wandering through the back streets of Lismore's CBD to see some fascinating artwork on the walls, and being only half an hour's drive away from places where I can take the grandkids fishing. Yep, that's why I'm happy to live where I live and count my blessings. Oh, P.S. I forgot to mention, only a short drive away, there's a good chance of spotting some koalas, says Kevin Elsley. He's in Lismore. Lismore Heights, to be exact. And this one from Chez Rickman. And Chez has sent me a whole lot of photos of her little joint, flowers and beautiful stuff. Listen, I live in inner west Sydney in Enmore. Over the past decade, I've been working hard to create an oasis amongst the tar and cement of the city. I've enclosed a few images of my native garden. It attracts lots of birds. The garden is a tiny corner of a large cement backyard of an Art Deco building. I dug up heaps of builder's rubble, including around 70 house bricks. I'm pleased to say my immediate neighbours and I enjoy the garden, which also now has a fish pond made from a discarded enamel bath. I've got one of those. An abundance of bees, ladybirds, dragonflies and butterflies appear daily, and I'll be ever so happy if my fish pond attracts frogs. How great would that be? Well, it might do. It depends on what floor you're on <laughs> in your backyard, Chess. Take care, Ian. Thanks for the show, says Ches Rickman. If you'd like to write to Why I Live Where I Live, wherever you live, you could be stuck overseas. It's Post Office Box 9994, Sydney 2001, or you can email us or whatever. That's Why I Live Where I Live for this week. Oh, uh, Richard. Richard's, uh, Richard Ferguson. You're on Port Phillip Bay. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Ian. How are you today? I'm good, mate. How's things on the port on the bay? Oh, it's looking fantastic, actually. We've got uh, bright sunshine, a, a big cloud band to the north that uh, did its um, mischief with dumping snow on places like Ballarat earlier in the week, and um, about 10 knots of breeze coming from the southwest. But I can still see across to Flinders Peak at the Yuyangs there, about 50k away. So beautiful morning. People getting out and about, um, looking forward to their uh, easing of restrictions, whatever that will be announced later today. That's right. I heard that. Um, we can only hope, eh? Yes, yes, I think uh, we've got to be patient. Um, but, you know, there's people out riding their bikes along the bike path along the eastern shore of Port Phillip and walking and um, enjoying what's a lovely uh, brisk but uh, lovely sunny morning and, um, you know, great views across to Mount Macedon and uh, further across the bay and um, up into the city. So you're, um, you're allowed out and go cycling as long as you wear a mask. Is that the story? Um, people who are exercising are exempt, but yes, I, I've just done a, a, a ride from home up to Albert Park down along the bay and I'm um, sitting on top of Point Ormond, which gives you a lovely perspective of the bay. And, um, but I, I generally try to white, wear a mask just because that's a respectful indication that you're mindful of what's happening at the moment and, um, you never know who you might bump into. So you don't want to splutter over anybody. No, um, exactly. And as I think you said, or somebody said, you can poke 
uh, your tongue out at people and they don't know. Oh yes, well, and then the ladies wearing lipstick are, are exempt. But um, you know, I think I think most people are being respectful of that. But uh, it is a bit tricky when you're you know puffing and panting a bit. But um, I think it's important to do that. And um, you know, but it's nice to get out. We're we're allowed two hours uh, exercise within five kilometres of our home. Um, I, I'm not wearing a um, an, an alarm bracelet yet, so it, nothing goes off to tell me that I. But I'm just being a good citizen and making sure I'm home within that two-hour window. And it's lovely to do that every day. It's important to get out and connect with nature. I'll say, I think it's the most important thing. What was the Latin phrase we had last week um, about perambulating? Uh, basically, it's uh, good for the soul, isn't it? Yes, I think um, in in little ways it helps us keep our endorphins going and uh, keeps us positive and reminds us that there will be light at the end of the tunnel. And um, on a day like today, it's great to see people out and about, and but still keeping social distancing and um, looking forward to perhaps some easing of our you know long-term lockdown that we've been enduring here in Melbourne. I suppose, yes. And, and you just, they say that, um, you know, Pleasure um, postponed is pleasure heightened. So, so that's about all I can say that really when, once it is, uh, Richard, and things get back to some sort of normal, um, you'll really, really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, one of your earlier callers uh, this morning was, you know, talking about the uh, adjustment and, and the shift. Uh, I think we have an opportunity to re reevaluate the important values. And I think it was... Uh, People over economy. Uh, I think uh, values uh, should be higher up in our priorities about what's important in how we care for each other and, and how we live our lives. It shouldn't always be just about money. I mean, money should be a way of enabling us to do things, but it shouldn't be the end goal for everything, in my view. But maybe that's old-fashioned. No, well, it'll it'll have to change, Dr. Ross, too. And as I've always said, there's... A, a, I suspect, and people have always said this, that the gap between those who have nothing and those who have a lot is is widening, and and I don't think that's good. And I I don't think, you know, um, when you see people with lots and lots of money, really rich people, and then you see the other, you see people huddled in corners and living their life on the street. Um, I know there are other reasons for that too, but I mean, we need to sort of, yeah, maybe this this will be a re a reboot, if you like. Uh, certainly, there'll be a reboot for people who will be able to uh, connect with people and nature. I, I think, you know, because of the constraints that we'll have going forward, whether that's international travel or just domestic travel, uh, I think doing, you know, simple things that give us pleasure, I think we need to reconnect with those things. And, um, I mean, for me, uh, you know, simple pleasure of a fresh baguette and some fresh ham and a cafe creme, and I can imagine I'm in the south of France and I can be anywhere. Good, good food, um, you know, read the papers, some good company uh, and, and, a, and a nice day. And even if it's not a nice day, snuggle, snuggle down in front of a fire. You know, I think those are very important things to connect with and, and celebrate. Richard, the only better thing that you could say to me uh, now is that you're going to, going to strip off and plunge into Port Phillip Bay at nine degrees um, C. Yeah, thanks. I'll leave that to your mate, Kieran. Um, I, I don't swim in Port Phillip unless I get thrown off a boat. So, um, uh, Well, we can arrange uh, that. We can arrange that, uh, Richard. Yeah, well, no, no sailing yet. Uh, no, on, the, on the bay right now, there's a big container ship that's just going into the port. But uh, no yachts, uh, no sailing, uh, not like Sydney or further north. But um, that'll, that'll happen soon. That'll happen. So, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on your invite to go and um, 
Join the join the uh, monkeys in Stanthorpe in oh, July. Oh dear, dear, dear. All right, good on you, Richard. Great to talk to you. All Thank right. you. Cheers, and, and stay safe and well, everybody, because we're not over yet. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. This from our back page is from Elaine Cooper. She was from a place called Murrabina, Nikaraya, and she was inspired to write because she heard a lady on the program who travelled. Uh, to Inaminga on a small plane. My children and my mum and I did just that last year. We wouldn't have swapped our uh, holiday for one in Bali for quids, an Aussie holiday. We did exactly what Jan recommended. We went down to the little local airstrip with small planes that we'd stopped the car to watch lots of times before. We asked how much it would cost for a 10-day trip out back for a family of four and a teddy bear. It has to go everywhere with us, you see. (laughs) Ian, you said that most people couldn't afford to go, but it was really a lot less than a trip to Bali or Fiji. My mother, who's over 70, would never have seen Kanamala, Inaminka, Birdsville or Milparinga if she had had to spend hours driving over corrugated dusty tracks in a four-wheel drive. My kids have seen farms and forests before, but they had never seen a real red desert. None of us had had steak and eggs for breakfast in an outback pub or met a kid who had a pet emu or a man who collects money from the flying doctor by running lizard races. We loved taxiing up to the door of some outback pubs. We loved flying, sometimes for hours, over places with no roads. We loved our little six-seater plane and our enthusiastic young pilot. He was able to fly low enough for us to see wildlife and birds, and we could land on small outback strips and station properties. We slept in shearers' quarters and historic pubs. Tony, our pilot, landed the plane in a clay, plaque, a clay pan strip, and we took a picnic lunch. Aren't picnic lunches great? Just the very name, a picnic lunch. We took a picnic lunch and walked to Burke. Uh, no, sorry, and walked, this is written in scribble, and walked to Burke and Wills' dig tree. Our only company was a flock of noisy Corellas. You can't do that in a big jet. Seeing the outback wasn't the only thing. It was what the kids learned from the trip. Jimmy learned about explorers and how to read a map because he helped na- navigate the plane. It's a worry. We, we all ho- helped load the bags and took turns to sit up the front. Karen, age five, learned to tell a cooler bar from a peppermint and the names of lots of wildflowers and birds. And mum and I learned that there's much more to Australia than the arable eastern coast and that planes are kinder to the environment too. I imagine how much damage 2,000 four-wheel drives are going to do to the Birdsville track when they all head up to the race meeting next month. This is written... Some time ago. That small plane taught us a lot. It put the size of Australia into perspective and made us realise that most of our inland is too fragile to cope with increased population. If anyone gets a chance, they should try a holiday to places the tourist coaches don't go. Elaine Cooper wrote that 30 years ago. And I just came across it, as I said, I go through my back pages. I'm just amazed, kids. They're just wonderful, wonderful things. I've got something. I'm going to share them with you because they're worth sharing. Now, all the kids would be grown up now. Um, the kids would be grown up. What's her name? Um, Karen, age five. Well, she'd be 35 now. There you go. And uh, just Tony was the pilot. He's, I wonder if he's still fi- flying. And you, Well, you can't do that at the moment, sort of. You're probably flying to South Australia, but it uh, depends where you are. You can't fly in. You can't fly out, but it'll change. I wonder how we'll view this, look back on this in two or three years.
You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.